Good morning, Central Iowa. We have finally made it. It's the Iowa Pork Powered Tailgate Show here on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and now 106.3 FM. I'm Jared Stansberry, joined by former Iowa State running back Jeff Woody. Hello, Jeffrey. I I am so happy to have hear, heard you say welcome to the tailgate show just because that means that football <clears throat> is currently actually happening. Like it's, it is, it's not just a pipe dream. It's not a, a thing that might happen, but then we lose it. It's a thing that's actually legitimately happening. Some has already happened and Iowa State is about to happen. They, they, I'm quite excited, quite excited for this. It's going to be a good time, man. It's a, we're about three hours out from kickoff between the Louisiana Raging Cajuns and the Iowa State Cyclones. That game will be on ESPN. And of course, you'll, after this show gets over, if you don't want to stay tuned in for the Saturday morning pregame with Sean Roberts and Emery, uh, Emery Songer, you can switch it on over to 100.3 The Bus and uh, the Cyclone Radio Network with John Walters and Brent Bloom and Eric Heft and Ben Bruns will be taking you to 11 o'clock for kickoff between the Raging Cajuns and the Cyclones. On today's program, we're going to take a, a look a little bit at the first step chart that the Cyclones put out here earlier in the week. We'll talk a little bit more about the, the Raging Cajuns as we've gotten some more opportun opportunities to learn about them throughout the week. And then, of course, we will make our predictions for today's game as we get closer to the top of the hour. But, um, Jeff, I, I, gotta, I have a trivia question for you. I'm excited. I love trivia. Am I going to know it? Maybe. We'll see. Do you know what happened six months ago today? Six months ago today. <clears throat> today would be, uh, what, September 12th. So six months ago would be March 12th? Mm -hmm. Would that be the governor-issued lockdown? Is that, that was is the that... day that they canceled the NCAA tournament. Ah, that was six, six months, months ago, ago. Six months ago today. That's a sad, it's like a, it's a circle of life thing where, where, where death happens, life is reborn. Football, sports have been reborn. Sports have been reborn. And obviously it, the college football world has, or the college athletics world has largely been at a stop. And Jeff did mention, you know, two weeks ago, they, I think they played the first game of the, of the 2020 season between Austin P and central Arkansas. But, um, the power five world has been basically completely stopped. And finally here in the state of Iowa, we've got our college athletics back And man. I just got to say that this, this last six months has been the longest six months of my entire life. It has been some of the most challenging time of, uh, especially of my professional career, but we finally made it, man. And I'm, I'm awfully excited to, uh, to be able to get to Jack Tri stadium and, uh, and watch a football game. It's something well, that I wasn't sure that we were ever going to get to at one point. Well, the fun thing is, is you're able to actually, um, I don't know, I, I think just because of the seriousness of the last six months, whether whatever aspect of it you're talking about, um, to have some like meaningful frivolity to talk about. Like, that's why I think the NBA is like fun to watch. I don't normally care about basketball, but watching the NBA, um, watching the NFL last night and KO just dominating people like it sports matter in the sense that it's something that has an effect, but if whatever team wins or loses, doesn't really change the outcome of the world. So, uh, it's unnecessary for, or it's, it is necessary, enjoyable frivolity. And so like 
at the end of the day, does it really matter if Iowa State wins or loses? Really, it's not going to cost anyone uh, more than you know the other things that are going on in the rest of the world. But it is something to care about, and it is something we're passionate about. So I think it's just I'm. That's the part that I'm excited about is that something that you can just tune in and care about. But really, the stakes don't matter that much. Um, so I don't know. I think it's fun, and the the actual matchup itself between Iowa State and the Raging Cajuns, the, it's it should be fun and a good test to kind of get started with the season. Because, you know, there is no – say what you want about playing the Iowa game so early. Usually that gives Iowa State a good test right away. And Northern Iowa is usually never a slouch either. So Iowa State generally doesn't get the start of the season in any other year. They don't really get this, like, you know, the the you're playing, like, call some other, like, Furman. Like, you're not playing Furman to start. Right. You don't get that easy victory usually. Um, last year Iowa State did kind of – run away with it but um usually you don't get that like really comfortable walk away thing so this and the advantage of that is that you get a challenge early that you get to actually test and like stress test things that you're trying to figure out because sometimes if the team is is mismatched so badly like last year with um with the other in-state louisiana team um you it wasn't by, by the time we got to the end of the game there it wasn't applicable film you know like you were getting guys like rayal mitchell got a lot of run at the end of the game last year but they didn't really provide any good film for iowa state to teach off of outside of the first quarter because they went on like a 58 to 6 score are you run. talking about the louisiana monroe game yes louisiana monroe game sorry that wasn't the first game but uh, yeah just early preseason big pre big 12 is kind of what i was sort of mentioning because okay. you only get one Right. So you get one preseason game and then you are big 12. So having a test, like having your preseason game be an actual test gives you better teaching footage to go into the season with rather than just getting some slough game, get a couple jitters out, which is fine. Um, and then you got to go into the big 12 season or whatever big, whatever conference season that you have and have no real good teaching film because you're playing against a defensive tackle. That's 255 pounds, like something like that. That's not really super viable. So, I don't know, the matchup itself is a really solid season setup. Um, it's not, I don't think, going to be super comfortable for Iowa State fans to watch, but it's going to be a good test as you go along. And, you know, we'll get the predictions later in the game. I don't think it's going to be like a detrimental outcome, but I do think that it's going to be something that is, um, it's going to be tough. Like, Iowa State's going to be challenged in a lot of different aspects. Do, uh, before we talk more about, today's game i do want to uh, go back quickly to something that you mentioned there a couple of minutes ago and that's uh, Coletio assembly's performance thursday night for the kansas city chiefs in the the opening game of the nfl season collinsworth uh, loved him yeah K yeah chris collinsworth was um full eggplant emoji over ko and uh it was good to see him back out on the football field i think he's been away for what a season a full season and a half now yeah season has uh, changed and since he was uh you know the Probably the best guard in the league uh, about him two or three years ago. Between yeah. him and Yonda, I mean, we're the two best guards in the league. Um, and, you know, we talked in, in the podcast earlier and in, in fart earlier in the week that you have these offensive linemen like with Robbie Hudson versus, you know, you have your technicians and you have your maulers. Um, it's when you have a mauler that is a technician, that's when you have a dangerous, dangerous person. And that is – KO is a mauler of a – I mean, he is a – strong with a K, strong with a K, human. And then you get with how good his feet are. And like 
Collinsworth had kind of highlighted a couple of different things and, you know, the people that actually like were that paid attention to have paid attention or kind of know offensive line play a little bit. It was full eggplant emoji for people watching. Like there is one reach block that he had. I don't. Rec I don't remember if it was on his touch. I think it might have been on Edwards Alaire's touchdown run where he juked the safety out of the shoes. Um, Ko had a reach block and he got his his left arm. He's trying to get there. He had to fight across the body of the defensive lineman, get his foot in the ground, get his arm all the way extended. And in order to do that, you got to get your hips around and in front of that defensive lineman who has a full yard of width that you have to try and get around. And you got like half a second to get there. And the fact that he gets his feet in the ground, gets his arms extended so fast. I mean, he is still one of the best guards in football. And it was a sure was a pleasure running behind him when I was there. <laughs> right. Yeah. I was, that's what I was just saying. Obviously you guys did play together uh, at Iowa state, but uh, he, he did something that I thought was uh, impossible and somehow he made the chiefs offense better. Yeah. How, as I mean, maybe I don't, I, I'm trying to come up with a, a concept, like how to introduce this concept of, I don't know how you possibly beat the chiefs. Like yeah, it, I was, they have to beat themselves. Yeah. After you the game last night, I was sitting there. I was like, yo, these guys might go like 15 and one. Like, I, I don't know how anybody can beat them if they don't get injuries. Yeah. It's if, if they stay healthy and they don't do dumb stuff, like if, you know, there's not, if they're not turnover ridden where like, Tyreek Hill has like seven fumbles in a year, like something like that. It's like really weird kind of fluke turnovers. I don't know how you slow that offense down. And the defense is good enough. Like Chris Jones and Tyron Matthew are really like good enough. To, like, I don't know if you were watching Tyron Matthew a lot of times during the game, but um, he was, he would like even Daniel Sorensen, who's been there for like 13 years, what you'd see him like shouting at Sorensen, like to, to bump over his spacing or to realign because a lot of the stuff is kind of, you know, they had a weird training camp too with no preseason games. So they are, they're still kind of learning on the fly, but you have Teron Matthew and, and Jones that are like, get their difference makers in the sense that like, they don't have to be perfect. They're mm -hmm. going to be close enough. And that close enough is going to get everybody in the right spot. So like, if you're going to beat the chiefs, you're going to have to boat race them and then get Patrick Mahomes and caught for some turnovers. And there's like, two teams in the NFL that even have a shot like the Ravens or the Titans, like teams that possess the ball for 46 minutes. And then maybe you have a shot. Like that's the only thing like that was really impressive by the chiefs. Just they were good last year. Then you get KO and Edwards Alaire and you actually have a, like a solid consistent running game, dude, that I I'm interested to see how, teams yeah like baltimore or like pittsburgh with big ben being back and like i'm interested to see how those teams that have a, a solid defense like if they have a chance to you know get pressure and cause turnovers but that was impressive ko edwards alaire obviously pat mahomes like i don't know i don't know how you stop the chief. i don't know how you beat the chiefs i don't i just don't At, having edwards alaire and then I mean, really, I think that you can put a lot of credit on them because it wasn't like they couldn't run the ball last year. But as Collinsworth talked about a lot, they didn't get a ton of push, which made it to where they had to be a lot more uh, creative in being able to get into space with mm -hmm. uh, Damian Williams and stuff like that. Um, but when you look at uh, what they were able to do last night, I mean, they could line it up and run at you a lot better than what they could before. Yeah. And uh, and it's going to take a lot of pressure off of Pat Mahomes to have to go out there and throw for 500 yards and five touchdowns every week. You know what else is going to be kind of crazy? 
he has play action now. Yeah. Pat Mahomes has play action to use. That, that really hasn't happened. He, has, he hasn't had a consistent downhill running threat to actually use as a play action. Like, you look at people like Peyton Manning, who to me is the only – it's a different style play, but as far as, like, prolific offenses where you're like, dude, I don't know how you stop this guy. Like, the, the Peyton Manning offenses, when they're clicking at full speed, mm-hmm. um, he built – I don't know. Uh, how many big plays are based off of, like, a quick play action to Edron James? Or something like that, where you. I was going to say, like, you better not say they didn't have a rushing game because you're not going to no. come in, not going to come on this podcast and, and no, no. attack the great Edron James. Edron James is legit, um, but like you have, he was actually able to use play action, so he had like this full repertoire of offensive sets that he could use and call and get in and out of. And there was other like I don't know. Only the, other one I can think of that didn't have to have uh, have a running back was like the 2007 Patriots when basically their entire offense was throw the ball deep to Randy Moss or throw it to Wes Welker short. Yeah. Other than that, they're, they're just like, yeah, we don't know what else we're going to do. Um, it's or the uh, like Brett Favre Packers when they even had Amon Green, but it was still don't like. Don't hate on Amon Green. Um, they had Amon Green, but like just hucking it around. But yeah. like the, the other fun thing is thinking of the Peyton, Mer- Peyton Manning and um, Pat Mahomes kind of overlap is they're totally different players. They're right. absolutely different players. But the thing that's kind of cool that you look at Mahomes now, he is as confident of a dude that is is playing. And as a quarterback, you got to have confidence to like drill stuff in there. Um, but there would be times when you, they would, the camera would cut to him and he'd be kind of looking at Eric Bieniemy like, signaling something and suggesting a play from the field to the enemy. And I don't know if they would actually take the suggestion, but it was probably, I don't know, three or four different times where he would flash a hand signal to the court or to the, the play caller and say, Hey, we should run this. So I don't know the Yeah. It, it was really fun to watch regular, actual, like legitimate football. Um, and also see an Iowa state guy do really well. So I, I don't know this it's the world is sort of, tilting back towards a normal axis with football coming back. For sure. I think there's a couple other Iowa State guys this weekend that could have an opportunity to, to play pretty well on Sunday, including uh, Alan Lazard, who's going to be a starter for the for the Green Bay Packers at, at wide receiver, and then David Montgomery, who is sounds like is, is back to full strength uh, from his injury and is expected to, if not be the starter, he'll be 1A at running back for the Chicago mm-hmm. Bears. But uh, you're listening and to the – don't forget uh, Aaron Jehoshaphat Klein. In Buffalo. AJ. Oh, oh yeah, uh, AJ Klein. I was like, what are you talking about? Aaron Jehoshaphat Klein. That's not his actual name, but... I didn't know that he was on Buffalo now. Yeah, I even... he got traded from the Saints to Buffalo. Hmm. Pretty, sure he's, pretty sure he's a starting linebacker. I'm not 100% sold on that, but I'm pretty sure he's starting. Man, it's, been, it's a little disappointing to see uh, Hakeem not have a place to play now, but uh, I guess it is what it is. Yeah, I'd imagine, I don't know, with, with talent like that, there's going to be a team that takes a flyer on him at some point. Probably the Chiefs. The Chiefs or the, the Patriots? Could you imagine if they, they don't, you don't need to do anything. It's just, hey, Hakeem, I want you to run as fast and far as you can. And Patrick Mahomes is going to throw it 14 miles. You just have to go get it. And that's it. And just like catch the there's ball. no route tree. There's no intermediate catching. It's just go do Hakeem stuff with Pat Mahomes. That would be hilarious. Yeah, for sure. You're listening to the Cyclone Fanatic Tailgate Show powered by the Iowa Pork Producers want to thank our friends at Iowa Pork for being the presenting sponsors of our tailgate show here for the, the second consecutive year. Unfortunately, you know, we're not able to get out into the tailgate lots and get some of that delicious Iowa pork that they'd be bringing us last year. But I know that they're having, uh, having some fun here 
uh, leading up to to the games with with Chris Williams and uh, and and Jacqueline and, and doing some other cool stuff on social media. So keep an eye out for that on our Cyclone Fanatic Twitter feed. All right, getting back to this game here in Ames, Iowa today. Um, I think just when you look broadly at it and you look at the rest of the slate and all of college football, you know, there might not be a better game in the country than this one. Uh, just when you consider the fact of Iowa State, I think everybody kind of expects them to make a jump in year five under Matt Campbell. And then uh, you look at what the Raging Cajuns were able to do last season, going 11-3, and losing in the Sun Belt championship game. Uh, you bring back a senior quarterback. You've got a couple running backs who are, are the the most productive running duo in all of college football. Got some experience coming back on the offensive line. I mean, I, if there was a little bit more name value there, I think that this probably would have had a good opportunity to be a, a college game day type game. And um, I mean, I, I think that it's going to be it's going to be a fun one, and it's definitely going to be a game between two really high level offenses. Uh, that you know. I thought that the number when I saw it, I want to say it was somewhere around 56. That seemed, that seemed a little bit low to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and well, I think they also might be taking weather into effect, the fact that it's been raining in central Iowa for like six straight days. Um, potentially could be a thing that, that holds that number down. But either way, the thing that you brought up is the fact that there's experienced quarterbacks on both sides. And that's a really big deal uh, because the, the, the three things that kind of I'm looking at generally at any game is um, not necessarily specific to Iowa state and the, or the Cyclones Cajuns, like the, the, the weird practice schedules have caused a huge amount of question marks. Like, I don't know if you watched the Navy BYU game, uh, of, I think it was last week or might've been, it was on Labor Day. It was on, on Monday. Monday. Yeah. And, um, BYU came out and they didn't do anything like schematically really crazy. They just did fundamentals really well. They ran the ball, they blocked and they tackled. And on the other side, because Navy hadn't, Navy hadn't tackled since their bowl game. Like that, that was the last time that they had tackled anyone. Um, Cause they didn't get spring ball. They didn't actually tackle during um, preseason practice just because they they're cadets as well. Like they have to actually go through like their PT stuff. So they weren't actually able to tackle. So you had a team that had gone through practice, was able to fit, was able to block and tackle. There's a team that wasn't able to block and tackle and Navy's fits were horrible. Like. But I guarantee that Navy in week four is going to be 10 times better than Navy in week one, just because they're actually able to practice those things. But to bring that back to Iowa, to, to this game is um, they're not, there's no guarantee who prepared better. So the three things that I'm looking at are one is blocking, two is tackling, and three is um, like just your routes, like your consistency between your quarterbacks and your receivers. So if you're there is no way to simulate blocking another human being that doesn't want to be blocked. There's no way to simulate. You can do drills, you can do bags and you can even do it in practice. But like that dude has gone against you seven, seven weeks or however long their, their camp is going to be. So you have to simulate that somehow tackling. You can only, you can practice drills, but you have to practice tackling by tackling. And then the consistency between a receiver and a, a wide or a wide receiver and a quarterback, that kind of stuff has to kind of be developed when a running or a receiver gets bumped off his route or there's, there's impedance or the field conditions are different or down a distance has changed. Like all that stuff has to come at you live. And a lot of times because of preseason practices, you have a certain number of scrimmages that you can actually figure that out. I don't know how, how they've been able to do this. Maybe they've had scrimmages. Maybe they haven't. One team has more, one team has less. Uh, they've been able to game plan against the other team. They know how to fit versus this other offense. 
the big things I'm looking for is who blocks better, who tackles better, and who has more consistency with your routes, which is true of any game, but it's going to be even a bigger discrepancy or bigger question mark coming into this game or coming into any game as who prepare, who is actually able to prepare for week one. And I think that takes us into a, an interesting conversation that we're going to have here in segment two. We'll take a look uh, deeper into the Iowa State depth chart that was released on Wednesday and some of the uh, interesting notes that came out of that. When we come back on the Iowa Pork Producers Powered Cyclone Fanatic Tailgate Show on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and now 106.3 FM. Welcome back to the Cyclone Fanatic Tailgate Show powered by the Iowa Pork Producers here on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and now 106.3 FM. Jared Stansberry and Jeff, what are you going to take you to the top of the hour? The- well, you're going to, we're going to go to the top of the hour and then it's going to go, uh, we're going to pass it off. But after this, I'm going to go enjoy some Iowa pork and enjoy some ribs at uh, the, the future in-laws driveway since I'm not actually allowed to go inside the stadium. So I'm going to go yeah, not letting in a, a, like driving, in, a, a driveway tailgate. Yeah. I'm just glad they're so not letting riffraff like pork. you in. That's all I yeah. care about. That's some shenanigans. Hooligans. Yeah, there's the, the, the press box for the first time in my career will actually be a professional workspace. Excuse me? I, and, I'm, and I'm the one that violates this. Yes. I'm the one that violates the professionalism of the, of the box. Okay. Oh, man. In my mind, you are. You're the only one I've ever heard had to be told to quiet down. <laughs> what are you doing? Okay, that's enough. That's enough. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, let's take a look at this depth chart that Iowa State released earlier this week. I think that there's a, a handful of things that are, uh, are definitely pretty interesting to, uh, to dive into. Um, I think the first one that, I, that really jumped out to me is there are only, I think, four, I think four seniors listed in the two deep. For, or five seniors listed in the two deep for Iowa State. And even the guys who are, who are not seniors, you know, you look at a Brock Birdie, a Brees Hall, Charlie Kohler, uh, Tariq Milton, Sean Shaw, uh, you know, Trevor Downing, Colin Newell. All of those guys have played a lot of football. And then even, you know, the, the other guys, I mean, Joey Ramos is a redshirt sophomore. Robert Hudson's a redshirt junior. Uh, you know, the redshirt sophomore, I already said Shaw. Xavier Hutchinson is a guy that we, I, I know we specifically want to talk about here in a little bit. Uh, Johnny Lang. Uh, all of these guys have experience playing already at Iowa State, and there's not very many positions where you feel like they're uh, being forced to throw someone out there before they're actually ready to get on the field, if that makes sense, which has been something that has, has been a problem at Iowa State in the past. The only one that I'm not necessarily – like when I look up and down the depth chart at all the positions, the only one that I'm like, eh, I'm not 100% sure yet, even though they've played a lot, is the nose guard position. Which And, and we'll is, talk about defense. We'll talk about the offense first. Okay. Yeah. The, on the offense, there aren't really any question marks. No. Like the, the offensive line from left tackle to right tackle, it's Foster, Downing, Newell, Hudson, Ramos. Like that's what's listed as the starters. But I bet they play at least a couple different variations of that just because it gives you a chance to, you know, stress test against something. Mm-hmm. Um, so I bet Triber ends up playing a fair bit. I bet Schweiger ends up playing a fair bit. Um, Remsburg maybe gets some run, but I think Ramos is probably more secure at that tackle position. But That's a name um, that surprised me a little bit, honestly. Who? Jake Remsburg, to see him on there. I, I had – 
that was just one that of, of all of them I was like man okay that's I mean that's obviously good to see him get up there in that mix but I was just it it was it was one that I was a, a little more surprised by I guess I think the biggest thing that stuck out to me on this entire offensive depth chart is Xavier Hutchinson. Yeah. So here's the reason why. So last year, um, uh, Deshante Jones was your, I think they call it their slot receiver. I think they call him the, the, M. M. Yeah. the M position. So Deshante Jones was your M position. And then Tariq Milton played X. And then they would have um, uh, LaMichael Petway play Z. Or I take that back. It was um, uh, Milton was playing Z. And no, Milton played the X, X. And, and, and Petway played the Z. Okay, so I was right the first yeah, time. But yeah, either way, yeah. you have your two outside wide receivers that are playing X and Z, and then Deshante Jones is playing your M. Well, Tariq Milton's, his strength last year was in these kind of big, the, the big play stuff. Like, it's your big post, your bang eight, stuff like that. Um, well, he's moved, Tariq Milton, his body type is more like a slot receiver. He's, you know, he's not 6'4", like, or 6'6", six, six, like Sean Shaw is. Um, so you have this, this body type to be a slot receiver, but he's been playing an outside position. I think it's probably because of Deshante Jones. They wanted to get both of them on the field at the same time. Well, now Jones has graduated. They moved Milton in. So, okay, you're taking a guy away from a position he's comfortable, because even though they have a bunch of other dudes you could play at M, like the, the Jackson kid is a freshman, stud athlete, stupid fast. And so you have uh, Milton moving in from X to M, and then you have two outside guys. When I think of an X receiver, it's your primary, it's your Des Bryant, like, or your, your Julio Jones. It's the guy that is your, your absolute number one go-to. I'm going to throw it up and actually go get it. Sean Shaw is six foot six, 212 pounds, and we saw what he could do. So presumably going into the year, Sean Shaw was your X receiver because usually, and the reason why that's kind of delineated the Z and the M a lot of times, or your slot receiver and your Z are going to go together. You're going to have two guys on one side. Usually you're not going to, if there is a one receiver set, your one receiver on the other side is your X. It's your Hakeem Butler. It's your Alan Lazard. Both those guys played X. Hakeem played Z when Alan was there, but um, either way, your X receiver is your one, your one receiver away from everything. So Sean Shaw presumably would be that guy just because he's built. He's really, t I mean, he's tall, he's athletic. He runs pretty well. He's physical. Well, Juco guy comes in and Hutchinson takes the X spot and they move Shaw or Shaw over to Z, which means you're going to have Shaw and Milton a lot of times on the same side or at, whereas Charlie Kolar and then Hutchinson are going to be, or, are going to be on the same side. So the fact that Hutchinson won the X job or just fit better in the X position means he is going to be more of your one-on-one -on -one threat versus Shaw is going to be a guy that kind of exploits matchups. And so the wide receiver group, we knew that there's a lot of talent. We just didn't know how it was going to shake out. If Hutchinson is good enough, as this says, that we trust him at X receiver over Shaw, then if he's that good, then you have a solid end position. We know what Tariq Milton can do. We know what Sean Shaw can do, or we think, you know, the, the potential for him to actually do stuff is really high. Hutchinson being the number one X receiver gives Purdy a huge advantage on having a dominant target. And your number two becomes your number two option outside of the slot is a 6'6", 212 pound athlete called like Sean Shaw. So I don't know. That's the, no pun intended. The X factor is, Xavier Hutchinson being the X receiver, that's the biggest thing that stuck out in this entire thing. Not necessarily the offensive line or, or whatever. That's just, that was a, a heck of a statement by putting him at the starting receiver there. The X man is the X factor at the X position. Damn, bro. Damn. That's some lyrical beauty, bro. 
I was putting them bars, <laughs> putting them in a body bag. In Ames, Iowa, though. Um, the, yeah, the, so the wide receiver group, that's the thing that's, the, that, that starting three is the one that's the most kind of fun to think about because then um, you're presumably, you're starting, not presumably, you're, you're starting five guys that are going to be out there are Brees Hall, Charlie Colart, or Chase Allen, whatever your, your front is going to be, probably Charlie, um, Tariq Milton, Xavier Hutchinson, Sean Shaw. And then if you're swapping any of those guys out, you're swapping them out for Chase Allen or Saner. You're, you're, you're plug and play. You're so many different options. And if Hutchinson, again, if Hutchinson can hold down that exposition, which is your one-on-one guy, then man, that's a, that, that gives you a whole nother element to what you're doing because you can switch in and out of a lot. Yeah, and, and Hutchinson, it doesn't surprise me at all to see him at the top of that depth chart just because, I mean, I was hearing in the winter that he was a guy that could be a pro sooner rather than later. Like, he came in on campus right away, and they're like, oh, yeah, okay, this guy's a real deal. Well, he turned down an Oklahoma offer to come to Iowa State, right? Right, right. And he said that it was an easy decision. So he seems like he must be a, a pretty smart kid. He is. A, you get to catch passes from Brock Purdy, and you got to be with this coaching staff. I don't know. It seems. It seems like a like a good choice. But yeah, it's, offensively, that's the biggest thing that that sticks out is the yeah. wide receivers and what they do with them. Well, and, and there's names that there's other names on this on this two deep that you look at, and it's like I mean Landon Acres. Like we've seen him make plays at Iowa State during his career. Uh, Darren Wilson Jr. is a guy that everybody was really excited about last year. We didn't get to see a ton of him, but. Um, I would expect that he'll probably get more opportunities at some point this year. Joe Skates, another guy that everybody has been pretty excited about at different times. And then you mentioned Daniel Jackson, who's a, a true freshman. They're not putting him on the depth chart if they don't think that he can come in and make a, an impact right away during his career. And another one that I would say is Darian Porter, who we he's not listed on the TD, but I would think that he'll probably work his way into the mix at some point a little bit as well. Uh, but I will give you one name here to to keep an eye on. And that's the third guy on that, that depth chart at the, at the tight end position. Easton Dean is, a, is apparently the real deal. Well, he the, was the retro freshman converted yeah, quarterback. He, he came in as a quarterback and they moved mm-hmm. him in. And I remember watching last fall and being like, that's a big kid. Like just as a size, he's a big dude. 6'6", um, 251. But he didn't know what he was doing. Like you could tell he was a quarterback in another position. But if you give that dude a full year and if he learns – there is a lot that that, could, and that's a, that can happen. And the cool thing is, is you get to learn from three guys ahead of you that all do things differently. Like Charlie is obviously your best receiver. Chase is your best blocker. And Saner's somewhere in between where he's a good receiver, but he's a good blocker. He's not uh, a road grader like Chase is, but he's also not, obviously no one's Charlie as far as pass catching, but he kind of floats in the middle. And so Easton Dean kind of has three different examples of what you can do and learn from and stuff like that. So it's a good room to learn from uh, strictly from a guy that's coming in. And uh, you know, that's, he becomes the more or less the fourth tight end, but what can you do with four guys? And let's read off heights and weights here. Six, six, two fifty seven Charlie Kolar, six, seven, two forty Chase Allen, six, seven, two seventy two Dylan Saner, six, six, two fifty one Easton Dean. Those are your four guys that you can flex in big positions. And okay. That seems like a pretty legit, group of tight ends and kind of your hybrid athletes like what that was me when I was there I was Dylan Saner I mean granted different a little bit more running back than tight end but I was six foot 240 man like that's 
six, I had, he had a half a foot on me. That's, that is the improvement that Matt Campbell's made is you don't have me trying to block a defensive end at six foot. So I don't know, in, that group in, of athletes is in fairness, impressive. In fairness, I mean, Sam Seenbuckner was, was about your size when he was playing that position before and he did it quite effectively. It's true, but usually they didn't. I, was, I would put my hand in the dirt every once in a while, like as an actual yeah. on the ball tight end. Not my natural position. Just, just put it out there. It's not my natural position. It's okay. Just I, put you, put you in the pistol and, and hand it off. Son, you, you are absolutely right. That is, son, run downhill. <laughs> right. Uh, one more guy on this offense that I'm interested to see what Iowa State's able to do with him this year uh, is Kanae Nwongu because it uh-huh. sounds like he's as close to, to back to full strength that he's been uh, probably since his freshman season. Um, we all know what he can do in the kickoff game. But I would think if there's ever been an opportunity for Kane to finally have a kind of a breakout opportunity in the offense, this is probably it. And I think that they, I think that there has been a concerted effort from, I asked Matt Campbell about this during one of his press conferences. I think there has been a concerted effort on their part to try and figure out ways to get him more involved in what they do. Which is, it's really smart because you, you know, Square pegs, square hole. It's the thing I say all the time. And what do you have? What do they do well? And what, how can you get them in positions to just do that? Like, don't make, you know, don't make a bird swim and don't make a fish fly. Like, you can't, don't, making Kanae Wangu like a true downhill David Montgomery style tailback, that's not going to work. He doesn't do that. But what he does do really well is one cut and get down the field faster than everyone else on the, on the field and can get to his full speed in like half a step. So if you can get him in positions where you can access that, it's a rare talent that that dude has in the open field. It's just him getting to the open field isn't, isn't necessarily the most convenient or understood thing for him. So if they make an effort to just say, okay, we want him in open space. How do we get him in open space? And if they can make an actual plan to make that work, awesome. Then throw that weapon in the list. Then you have Hall, Nwangu, Lang, Brock, Kolar, Allen, Dean, Saner, Milton, Hutchinson. I mean, you, you go down the list, there's weapons everywhere. And it's just a matter to me then of how you make sure that you call the game and protect your quarterback to just get him. I mean, this is the thing that, uh, so Sage Rosenfels, I remember last spring, um, I was just at, I was just watching a spring practice when they actually had spring practice. So not spring of 2020, spring 2019, before Purdy was going into essentially being the, the the guaranteed starter um and i remember i was talking with him about like what he because he was actually going to go meet with um and just kind of help coach the quarterbacks and i remember he had said something that was really i mean a great insight which is all right who's faster you or deshante jones well deshante jones obviously get it to him as fast as you can and really that's it like if that's the essence of the offense if that's the mindset that purdy has and just distribute like Granted, there are times you got to take a shot. There's times you got to do zone reads and run and stuff like that. But like, when you look at this talent from top to bottom at every position, running back, like you talked about, Nwongu, Brees Hall, your tight ends, we already talked about, your wide receivers, we already talked about, just get it to them. Like, get it out. Iowa State is now stacked at every position, and they have a quarterback that his main goal is just get rid of it. And so if you can get rid of it on time and accurately, it's a really hard thing to defend. It's back to the Chiefs thing. Like, Pama Holmes is dangerous 
when he does things off script, but he's even more dangerous when he just throws it on time to Tariq Hill because Tariq, Tariq Hill's a freak. Or to, to bury one on Travis, or Travis Kelsey's shoulder on time and on rhythm and let Travis Kelsey go run down the field. Like when you're able to just get the ball to your playmakers really, really quickly, that's what's really hard to stop. It's not the, the, mat, you know, the, the scramble around 45 times and chuck a bomb for 50 yards. Zach, you can do that once or twice a game. It's every single play. If you can do that consistently, that's when you have those 10 yards per play averages that, you know, Oklahoma has or Oklahoma had with like Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray. And if you can get to that point, that's when it's, I mean, it's absolute sky's the limit. All right. Switching over to the defense here on the Cyclone Fanatic tailgate show powered by the Iowa pork producers. Uh, a couple interesting things of note, I think here. Uh, the first one, you, you did mention the nose guard position and we can talk about that here in just a minute, but I think the biggest one is any Wazirike, three-year starter at the defensive end position, uh, moving into defensive tackle, at least according to the depth chart. Uh, I will say, and he's put on a bunch of weight since last season. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if that might be, might be legitimate. 310. Whew. Six foot six, 310. He was about, a, I think he was about a, 290 last year. That's a big boy. Um, well, and he, the, he's long. Well, he's also, I think they have his number listed. He's number 58, which is that, mm-hmm. um, which Curtis says Bray a number. lot about character. It's the, the Curtis Bray, it's Corey Morrissey started that one where he took the number um, after Coach Curtis Bray passed away. And it's given every year to the guy who demonstrates just the most, the work ethic, the character, the leadership that kind of, that Coach Bray kind of pushed for uh, and, and used himself as an example for. So any was the one, Ray got it last year, uh, two-type captain, and any this year is the one that got number 58. So he's listening to the depth chart. Here's number five. Just as J.D. Wagner and, yeah. and Mitch Myers. Yep. Um, and so you have the – any week – any is going to be number 58, which says a lot about his character. It also – so the defensive line really is this – to me, it's the more of the story um, because – any moving into so the way they have it listed is as a four down look i don't know how much four down they're going to do they may do some of it but they always list it like like this they always list it as end nose guard defensive tackle end and then they come out in a three down front and you only have three of those guys so what they actually look like when they come out if any is six six three ten he might be the zero nose he might be your true head up plug stopper guy and then isaiah lee would be your uh, Lee and Latrell Bankston would be your kind of roll-ins in that position. And then Peterson and Bailey would be more on the outside. But I don't know defensively, scheme-wise, what they're going to do. Um, maybe it does make sense to go four down, but then they'd have to sacrifice one of the defensive backs. Like it, It's just an interesting look of what they're going to do. Um, but beside the point, any moving in to play defensive defensive tackle, like a he's a natural at this size and weight, he's a natural three technique. Like that – that would be a really athletic, like the Jake McDonough mold is what I'm kind of thinking of um, where he's long, athletic, and strong, but not necessarily like the Ray Lima, just sit down and I dare you to move me. He's not a doorstop. Um, but if any moving a defensive tackle says a lot about Peterson, Zach Peterson, to say that we have enough confidence that we want you to be our defensive end and we're going to move one of our defensive ends into play defensive tackle to make space for you to play there. So this team, I mean, this coaching staff is notorious, square peg, square hole on both sides, that we're going to find our best 11, and we're going to put those 11 on the field. And it doesn't really matter what orientation. We're going to find the orientation, whether it's four down linemen or three down linemen or three, four, three, three, or four, three, or whatever. We're going to find our best 11 and get them on the field. And so what they're saying by any moving into play defensive tackle is Peterson's one of our best 11. 
no, beyond a doubt, no, no questions asked. So that is the defensive line. That's a big, that's to me, that's the same statement towards Zach Peterson as it is towards Xavier Hutchinson on the offense is if we're moving someone else around to make space for you, then we have a lot of confidence in you. It doesn't surprise me that much because Matt Campbell said that Zach Peterson looks like the incredible Hulk during one of his press conferences. He well, actually, no, actually he said, uh, Zach looks like what's the green guy. Yeah. The incredible Hulk. Him. He incredible looks like Hulk. him. Yeah. Six five two sixty seven. Yeah, the green guy. That's what Matt Campbell called him. The green guy. Yeah. Uh, really, Shrek. everybody, every other position is, you know, no surprises. We already knew who the starting safeties and, and defensive backs would probably be with Lawrence White, Greg Guysworth, Anthony Johnson, and Tavon Kyle. And then we knew two two of the starters at uh, at the linebacker spots, and then to see Jake Hummel move in at that will position is is really no surprise. Jake has been, I I mean. I don't know if there's been a guy Jake would have probably started for a lot of teams in the big 12 mm -hmm. at one of the linebacker positions in the last three seasons and has because of Marcel Spears. And obviously that was very deserved. Marcel is a, you know, a cyclone legend for a reason. And uh, now Jake finally gets his opportunity to get out on the field. Um, but I do want to give gets, you one other name to Andy gets what's up? two years. He gets two, I mean, as a senior, and this is oh, essentially yeah. a redshirt year for everybody. Yeah. So he gets this season and next season to kind of let that work ethic pay off. You know what I meant, though. Correct me. You know what Just I meant. Adding, I'm adding some feeling to the story, Jared. Thank you. Thank You're you. You're welcome. Uh, I'll throw one other name out there for you, though, a kid to, to keep an eye on, and that's at the start position. Uh, number one, Aishim Young, redshirt freshman out of Pennsylvania, five foot ten. 208 pounds kid was a four-star recruit uh got into uh a little legal trouble he was committed to penn state ended up losing his opportunity to go to penn state reclassified from the 2017 class to the 2018 class ends up at iowa state and it sounds like he's a kid who could who is the is the real deal so expect to see him right up in the mix quite often and I mean, I assume that they'll, if they continue to play in their three-man, then he'll probably be on the field quite a bit. If they go to the mm -hmm. four-man, then he'll probably be more of a situational type guy. Well, and the thing that they do a lot is they rotate, they rotate safeties or they rotate defensive backs. I mean, even Eisworth will get a breather every once in a while. They try and keep him on the field as much as they can just to make sure. Like him and Lawrence White will probably rotate the least, I bet. Um, but you get they, – they will have probably – on this list, there's a two deep at, and they have 12 positions listed because they have four, three, and five. Um, but they're going to have, of this list, 12 dudes, two deep at each one, I bet 21 of these 24 end up playing at like a fair amount of snaps, like 10 plus snaps. And then Just even some guys they, that maybe aren't on the two deep. Yeah, exactly. Like they're going to have guys at three deep on at the free safety position for whatever. Like they're going to have a bunch of guys play in um, – and I, what Aishim Young, that was the the other kind of the defensive back. The only thing that kind of stuck out because I know they like Arnold Azuna, and he's a good player. It's that's they kind of put Azuna in last year when Eisworth started to get dinged up in the shoulder. He was the one that kind of bore a lot of the responsibility of what was going to be going on, um, in the like in the secondary when twelve wasn't on the field. So they really like him. And if you're going to put a guy above him, that's again, it says a lot on the depth chart. If they're going to say it's this guy now it's listed as an, or, so it might not be like, he's going to be the only one that's in the field. And again, they rotate a lot, but it's still the Aishim Young being listed more or less first 
it's it says all right this is a guy we really really like for sure all right we'll dive more into louisiana we'll make some predictions and we'll give some uh, final thoughts on today's game when we come back on the Cyclone Fanatic tailgate program powered by the Iowa Port Producers on a Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and now 106.3 FM. Welcome back to the Cyclone Fanatic tailgate show powered by the Iowa Port Producers. Jared Stansbury, Jeff Woody. Got about six minutes here left in the program, and then we're going to hand it off to Emery Songer and Sean Roberts back in the studio for the Saturday morning pregame. Or if you're looking for exclusively Cyclones content, then you'll want to switch it on over to 100.3 The Bus and the Cyclone radio network. I know I wouldn't want to listen to Sean Roberts ooze all over Notre Dame for the next hour. So I couldn't blame you at all for, for, switching, the, for switching the dial, but uh, I'm just kidding. Um, but all right, Jeff, we got five minutes or so to – give our final thoughts on this game obviously when you look at louisiana especially on the offensive side of the ball uh figuring out a way to limit their rushing attack is going to be the biggest key uh when you look at that iowa state defense who are a couple of guys who really have to come out and play well today in order to uh in order for iowa state to to get a w well it's got to be your linebackers you got to look all the way across the board at so it's hummel vance and rose um however they set them up. And again, I don't know what their front is, whether 3-3 three, three or 3-4 three, or 4-4 four, four, or 4-3 four, or whatever it is. I don't know what they're going to set up. But their linebackers, because of uh, Louisiana's running backs being so experienced and so good, if you miss tackles against this team, I mean, think of Iowa State. If, if Brees Hall is able to get himself comfortable in running, Brock Purdy has a very easy job, and that's going to be terrifying to try and stop. Same thing with Louisiana, is if you are – not able to stop the run uh, for Levi, I forget the quarterback's last Levi name. Lewis. Is, Levi Lewis, he's in the same way is going to be able to just pick apart defense. So if the, if the linebackers are not tackling well, this is going to be a very stressful game. But if the linebackers are tackling well, it forces a quarterback into doing everything, uh, which is not what Louisiana wants to do. So to me, the, defensively, it's Vance, Rose, and Hummel is just getting people on the ground and I'll throw Eisworth in there as a strong safety is second level players getting the running backs on the ground. For sure. All right. When you look at the, the offense, what, what do you want to see from that group today? Uh, obviously I think we'll all probably be having an eye on, on Xavier Hutchinson just because of the fact that it's his, his first game. But uh, what are, what are you looking for and, and what do you hope to see that offense do well in, in game number one? Well, I think what, what makes this offense what is going to make this offense really smooth or really efficient is not having a reception list that's like 10, 6, 2, 2, 2. Like, it's not having one guy be the primary target. Like, Deshante Jones last year, you know, that game that he caught 15 passes, that was really cool, um, and that worked, but that's probably not going to be this offense. Like, maybe Charlie has, like, seven receptions as, like, the third down, bury it in his belly button type of, of pass. But I don't think I, what would make this offense successful is you have like eight guys with a reception and all of them have like three. Like if you could do that, then that's a really spread out offense that good luck game planning in the future against a team that has no real one dominant threat. Now, granted, I want Charlie Collar to be really good. I want Hutchinson to be really good. I want Tariq Milton to be really good. And if they end up having like nine receptions for like 180 yards and three touchdowns, no questions, no problems, nothing, no issue at all. But I think what's going to be nice is that if Brock can 
read and distribute and get it to guys, you know, it's leading receiver, six catches, 85 yards and a touchdown, second leading receiver, five catches, 82 yards and a touchdown, like that kind of thing where you're really spreading everything out. That I think is a really hard team to, to defend. So I'm hoping to see a really spread out kind of reception chart. Um, and obviously as a running back, I want to see, I want to see Iowa State run for 150, 200 yards, something like that. Very quickly, what do you want to see from the offensive line to feel good about this coming out of, coming out of Saturday? Push. Feel good about them? Push? Push. A lot of push. And, uh, if Brock does his job and gets rid of the ball and distributes to his playmakers quickly, there shouldn't be a ton of pressure. So I want to see that as well. It, it, that, that is both on Brock and, the, and on the offensive line. Um, but I want to see push. I want to see Brees Hall not getting contacted until three, four yards down the, roll, or down, the, down the field. And if that happens, Brees is going to do the rest. So honestly, that's the biggest thing I want to see is push because you have Downing and Hudson as your guards. If you have Downing and Hudson as your guards, those are road graders, those are your maulers, move people. I want to see them actually move people. So that's what I'm looking for is push by the offensive line. Got about a minute and 45 seconds left. Let's, get, let's hear your pick for to, today's game. I think this one's never going to feel super comfortable. Um, this is not a game that like, I think, I, I, what, 33-21, I think is I put in the, the Cyclone Fanatic column. Um, something like that where it's uh, – it never feels like Iowa State gets enough distance to really totally breathe. Um, so it, it's going to be something they're going to have to work for the entire time. That's my guess is because Louisiana is really good. Like th this is not like a toss the bone, like, oh, watch out for Coastal Carolina, like that kind of. Hey, Coastal Carolina beat Kansas last year. That's Kansas. That doesn't count. But it's this is a legitimately good team. This is a legitimately good offense. Their defense, I don't know. The Kind of some question marks. But on offense, they've got – actual talent so i don't know this is going to be a game that iowa state's going to have to work for i'm i'm going to call it yeah 33 21 iowa state gets the home opener win yeah i, th I think i picked uh, 38 to 24 i think that this game is probably going to be within one score at least through the first half and maybe a little ways into the second half but i kind of expect the cyclones to to pull away a little bit later on and um be able to to come away with a win all right buddy we're almost exactly two hours away from kickoff from jack trice stadium hope everybody will enjoy their weekend hope everybody enjoys their home tailgates send them to us at cyclone fanatic on twitter or at, on instagram or facebook or whatever uh, and now Thank you for tuning in to this week's Cyclone Fanatic Tailgate Show presented by the Iowa Pork Producers. For Jeff Woody, I'm Jared Stansberry, sending it off to Emery Songer and Sean Roberts back in the studio on Grand Avenue in Des Moines on Des Moines Sports Station 1460 KXNO.